Hey y'all, hey, welcome to Where's My Boyfriend podcast, where we talk about all things adulting, our experiences as three Black women on this amazing journey of living our best life, trying to support each other as we figure out this ghetto world of adulting. I am joined by my amazing co-host, Nay and Sunny D. Hey honeys, I'm Nay, your virtual homegirl who thoughts on almost any and everything. Also, full-time parent, and sometimes you may hear my little one in the background of this podcast. Lo siento, I am sorry. To me, adulting is a game of whack-a-mole. Once you think you have one thing conquered, something else pops right up. Hey everyone, it's Sunny D. And to me, adulting is choosing to be your best self while that laundry piles up and the dogs chew on your good shoes. Yo, this is your girl Nakai and I'm your host of Where's My Blueprint Podcast. I randomly burst out in song, love ice, and think adulting is a beautiful storm of I get to do what I want to do mixed with what the hell did I sign up for? Thanks for joining us. Now let's get to the episode. Hey, welcome back to Where's My Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver entertaining, educational, and some inspirational thoughts and comments all about adulting. Happy April, which is tax month, and get your coins to learn about money. So ladies, tell me, what was one thing that was sweet that you did for someone this week? So I went on a grocery errand to get just stuff we needed for dinner, last minute things, and we decided to make something. And my husband's been drinking this like sparkling water. I think, I don't think it's good, but I think it's good for his digestive. I don't know, something like that. But I saw it in the like bottles that he likes. Like he likes them in the glass bottles as opposed to the plastic ones. They hold more carbonation or something like that. They're more bubbly, according to him. I don't know, something like that. Um, which I guess kind of makes sense because I do like like the root beer, like the IBC root beer in the glass bottle as opposed to the can. So I I guess maybe that has some merit so I got him just like a, some water a case of water he didn't ask for it but I saw it and I was like he drinks this let me get him some yeah I brought it home and he was like see those moments when you be getting on my nerves you do stuff like this and then I'm like this is why I married you <laughs> so I'm like oh balance you know one thing that I did sweep this week is Jay has been gone this week for work and my little as surly as he can be, I think he feels the shifts and the disruptions in our day-to-day. So he, and he's been recovering from getting his tonsils taken out. But this week he was just a little bit more dysregulated in the mornings. So whenever he's been dysregulated, I've been asking him if he wanted snuggles. So almost every day this week, I let him pick the time and we'll set the timer but he's been getting like 10 or 15 minutes worth of just mommy snuggles when we go to a place that he chose like he chooses most of the time it's on the couch and we get a blanket and we just snuggle for 10 or 15 minutes and his mood completely changes and he's able to effectively productively go through the rest of his day with that reset I absolutely love that especially like getting mommy snuggles oh man and kudos to you again as being an amazing mom as I will always give you your credit and your flowers all the time because you realized he was dysregulated and then you were like oh let me give you your flower I mean not flowers let me give you these cuddles which will help a lot and yes honey D, it makes a huge difference with the water in a glass bottle I love a particular water <laughs> And if it's in, I prefer it in my glass bottle versus the plastic. And it's a huge difference. Like even drinking it makes it like a little bit more fancy or bougie. But yes. 
for me, one of my friends was going through a huge, I guess like not a trouble, a challenge. And so y'all know I love Pink Lomaine. And so I was happening to shop for literally my aunt. It wasn't for me. It was for my aunt. And it really was for my aunt. I'm looking for a particular. And if y'all see this, please get it and mail it to me. It's a black Buddha. <laughs> So I was looking for that and I found one of the pink low main little uh, makeup bags that says I'm creating the life. I'm creating the life of my dreams. And so I bought it for her and I gave it to her. It was like, I know you've been having this challenge, but just every time you see this, just remember you create the life of your dream. And she was just like, oh my gosh, thank you. This is so awesome. And so I'm like, yay. So I thought she was going to use it as a makeup bag because she wears makeup. No, she used it as a snack bag. I was like, black people are not snacks. We got to have our snacks. Equally important, if not, dare I say more. Facts. <laughs> and so with that, even speaking of good friends, so would y'all rather have five good friends or five friends that hold you accountable? I would rather have five good friends because I consider my good friends to be those people that will tell me that my shit's been and that will notice when my behavior shift for whatever reason. And I think that it that also includes accountability. So as opposed to having five people that just hold me accountable, I'd rather have five good friends that really know me that also includes that accountability factor. So kind of similarly, but I guess kind of not. I would rather have five friends that hold me accountable because if you hold me accountable I consider you a good friend like I can stand 10 toes down I can support myself like I, do, I don't need the flowery version of what society says a good friend is no I need somebody who's going to hold me accountable I need somebody who's going to tell me my ish stinks I need somebody who's going to be like not nah, girl you was wrong and stand 10 toes down in that and not let me and my rationale or my excuses color their perspective and their thoughts because if you hold me accountable I feel like you also support me in those areas that I might feel like I need supported so now hold me accountable and then I will consider you a good friend I love both of y'all's interpretation of this because in Nay's words semantics matter and so it's either a good friend or five friends that hold you accountable but I love the way y'all heard that and interpret it for me I will have to say I prefer the five friends that hold me accountable because especially like at the stage I am in now of building businesses trying to create legacy doing investments I need that accountability at a high level at this point in my life um so that's the one I'm going to go ahead and choose and y'all as we know we do a quote of every single episode and today's quote is money is only a tool it will take you wherever you wish but it will not replace you as the driver by Anne Rand. Don't y'all like her name? Anne Rand. Is this quote mixing metaphors? I can't even get through it without realizing that. Are we talking about a car? Are we talking about like tools in the toolbox? I feel like this is mixing metaphors and I can't get over that. So, Sunny D. So, I immediately changed this to construction building type metaphor because that's what makes sense in my mind. From that perspective, I agree that money is absolutely a tool. I feel as though like it's a tool that I need in my toolbox to build the life that I want and to be able to have the things that I see for myself. Like, But I'm the contractor. 
right? I can't have another contractor use my tools and expect it to be done in the manner that I, that I need it to be done. You know what I'm saying? So in that aspect, yeah, money is absolutely a tool. I am the contractor. I know how to use my tools. I know exactly the vision that I want. And I can't leave that to somebody else because they're not going to do it the way I need it to be done. Yeah, um, I'm with you on that, Sunny D. When I heard this quote, I was like, oh, the tool, the driver, which is another tool. Um, because, and then I looked at it like, for me, you can't use a tool without someone actually using the tool. Like it has to be a human or a robot nowadays um, <laughs> actually using the tool. And so I looked at this like, yes, at the end of the day, sometimes I feel like, and I can't speak for y'all, but in my experience and like some people I've talked to, they put money on a pedestal instead of understanding how to use it as a tool. Meaning it's like we glorify money, money, money. You got to make a meal. You got to do this. You got to da da da. It's all about money. But it's like, if you understand how to use the tool, then the tool will then give you in return what it needs to do. Right. And so that is my thought on that. And so let's get into this episode talking about money, 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 money. And so <laughs> with that, y'all, I know. So audience, we have two big readers, three technically big readers on this podcast. So we read, read, read our audiobooks, whatever, but we're readers. And so <laughs> Sunny D and her audiobooks would be, she would get through like three books in a day. So, but with that, do y'all read any books on money or have y'all ha- read any books on money? Nope. Short and simple, May. I have several in my library of audiobooks. I also have quite a few physical books on money and I can't remember. It's probably been, well, no, my dad was still alive. So it's been a really long time, like probably 20 something years since I was kind of introduced to books that are money focused or maybe kind of explain how money works or how to use it. You know, my dad was very much a rich dad, poor dad reader. Like that was one of the books that he introduced me to probably when I was like either late middle school, early high school, somewhere in there, right? Right when I started maybe work and I would go with him to the office, see what he did and stuff like that. And he was very business oriented. There, there was always something that he was trying to do outside of his nine to five. He had very entrepreneurial like mindset. So I was kind of introduced way back then, kind of dipping my toes into the fact that something like this exists, this genre of literature is a thing that exists. I didn't start reading seriously for myself probably until like my late 20s when you start realizing that adulthood is cool, child, and you need money for everything. <laughs> And you're, you're further removed from, you know, parental support and helping. It's not like they're not there, but you're wanting to do more things on your own. And it was kind of right around that time where I started really actually reading books on money. So I have quite a few that I really like. Yeah, we are the same. And like, even thinking about like the books that are specifically on money, but even some of the comical books that we read or nonfiction books that we read that kind of highlight the money part of it of like, maybe I'm thinking of Fly Girl and like the drug dealer, like that was enticing of having the drug dealer that was like the money and like all of everything that he buys her, like the life that he's given her, the luxury things. But understanding that if you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to take it away because you're using it as a power power tool, <laughs> right? And so 
And so I think about that and how like money, no matter what, like even reading um, Stephanie Perry Moore, like money has been a theme of a lot of books, no matter if it's specifically for you to learn money and learn finances or you to be entertained. Yeah, I think in a lot of books, money is some sort of component because like Sunday said, you need money to survive in this world. So subtext of a lot of stories is money, either the lack of money, the overabundance of money, like money and how it affects your goals, your priorities, how you treat other people. Yeah, I think subtext money a lot of times does come in the underlying pinnings of books. You know, I don't even think I ever thought about this, but because I don't read a whole lot of nonfiction, but I do know that some of the nonfiction that I have read, it seems as if, I don't know if this is an author thing or if this is just to move the plot forward or whatever, but it seems like at least some of the books that I've read, there's at least one person that has like an abundance of money. They're a billionaire or they're a millionaire or something like that. So it's like they put money in the storyline in some way, shape or form, which is supposed to remove the struggle or something. So it's not something that you think about. So that the struggle, like the struggle is focused on maybe something else and not lack of money. I don't know. I've never thought about this until this very moment, but some of the books, most of the books that I've read that are fiction, sorry, I did say nonfiction earlier, that are fiction, definitely have somebody that's like super rich and they don't have to worry about money, but now they struggle with, you know, narcissism or anxiety or something else that's not money specific, which that's interesting now that I think about it. Yeah, I think about that. Um, one, because one of the books I really, really like, and I don't know if y'all be, y'all, y'all heard of her, Susie O. I don't, Susie Orzeman, I don't know how to say her last name, but I know she goes by, on The Breakfast Club, she went by Susie O. But she has like, yeah, she's a white lady or whatever. (laughs) Susie O, but she goes by and she talks about Orman. Yes, 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 yes. She talks about like these nine steps for women to really hone in to ensure your own financial independence and own financial stability. And I really, I forgot the name of the actual, like the real title, but when I read that book, I was like, oh my God, this is freaking amazing. Or even if y'all read what's called You Are a Badass at Money, You Are a Badass at Money. And even with this one by Jean, I forgot her name too, but both of them, they'll be in the block. So if y'all don't know, yes, that book, the book that um, Sunny D is holding up, y'all can't see, we'll make sure it's in the blog. But that is such a good book. And she also has a smaller one of the nine steps. And I love it because it talks about the importance of women and making sure you are financially independent outside of a man. And like, even how we were talking about some of the fiction books of like, you have the billionaire who got all this money, who's like giving this woman this lovely life. But when shit hits the fan at any time, this is my money. I can take it away from you. And you are left looking dumb, like stuck on stupid. And so I think like... One thing I really like is that the books are empowering you of making sure that you really understand financial literacy, but not just financial literacy, but like really understand the psychology of money. And even if you're looking at the fiction part, right? Am I getting those right? The fiction, then it even goes into that part of like that genre of like the money thing is always going through. I've had this book for a hot minute. I'm on page 13, according to this bookmark I just found in it. It was in the closet. I need to finish it. But I I think my mother gave me this book, actually, because she's read 
quite a few of Susie Orman's books. Um, again, this is something like my mom is a huge reader. She was very fiction, romance novel reader until she got saved and then that changed and then there was a lot of these but she still has like some of her romance movies I mean some of her romance books but she has a lot of these types of books and I think that's one of the things that her and my dad utilized quite a bit back in the day or books like these also I think it was the one like like move my cheese or something like that or who moved my cheese that's another book on money so yeah my mom gave me this one and I am going to finish it that's my mission for this coming month is to finish this book. Do y'all follow or aware of Dave Ramsey? I am familiar with him because once again, living on a, living in a smaller town, he used to come on the radio <laughs> on the little the FM AM. I think it was AM station. Yeah, he used to have the Dave Ramsey outward. So I would literally be in the car coming home from school listening to that because it was in my parents' car. But I started giggling, you know, not part of this conversation because as much as I don't read books on money, I actually gifted my mama a book that's called Girl, Make Your Money Grow, A Sister's Guide to, let me see, A Sister's Guide to Protecting Your Future and Enriching Your Life. But I do not read books on money, but I gifted a book on money. That book is so freaking amazing. And it's a three-part series. I love her. And it's a Black woman who wrote that book. Like she is legit. She has you right a love letter to money and y'all if y'all have not done that that is so emotional because she gives you some of like the prep questions or the prompt and then you do like a love letter to money and then you write your response of what money will say and so you go back and forth of this beautiful conversation but it hits on like where your money your money concepts or like your money foundation starts of like oh well I grew up and I saw my mom spend, spend, spend. So as an adult, I just spend, spend, spend because I didn't see anything else. And then it goes back to, um, she asked like, what was your first introduction? And I'm gonna ask y'all this. I'll prompt this to y'all. What was your first real introduction to money? Not as an adult, but as a child. Y'all childhood, if y'all can remember all the way back. I have a lot of thoughts. There was a lot that just happened just now. To initially answer this most recent question of my introduction to money, my first introduction to money, I man, I feel, I don't know. I feel like it was early, but I couldn't, I don't know if I can pinpoint first introduction, but one of the memories that I do remember is, you know, when you go to your grandparents and particularly my grandmother is the one to always like slide you $10, $20, or $5 or something like that without your parents looking, which was always a fun thing to do when you go, when I go to my grandmother's house, like I'm finna get snacks, I'm finna get fed and finna get some coins. Like, come on, that's like the place to be. So I absolutely remember her doing that. I remember her also religiously going to the casino and coming back with money. She had her little sparkly hats. You know how old people do. They have their little rhinestone hats, they uh, caps that they go with their girls. They go on the bus, they hop over to Louisiana because we do not have casinos in Texas that are called casinos, mind you. And she would always do that. And I just remember always, always seeing, but she always had cash on her for whatever reason. And that's one of, I don't know if that's my earliest memory, but it's one of my memories that I have when I was like a tiny human. And it was always cool because I always knew I would get some money and maybe some ice cream and she would make me some bacon, some cornbread. I miss her. I'm not laughing because you miss your granny. I'm laughing because all of that like led you to the conclusion of I miss her. (laughs) 
I do. My girl, listen, my grandmother was so freaking dope, man. I miss that lady so much. She would be so, like, man, if I had her now in my, like, right this point in my life, in my mid-30s, that would be next level. She was pretty, oh, that was the best human. Yeah, all I was like, I was like, that one left. Where, do, where, what? <laughs> oh, I'm glad you miss your granny, and I hope your granny come visit you in a dream. Um, Just to let you know she's all right, like, you know. But I want to loop back to Nate and you having Dave Ramsey on the radio. So have you ever, like, well, I don't know if he came to y'all town. I don't know. But um, do y'all, have y'all ever heard of his, like, envelope method? And if y'all have, do y'all, have y'all ever tried the envelope method? Have y'all ever done the envelope method? Funny story. I do an envelope method. I've never heard of his envelope method. But I'm told it is very similar to what I do currently. For elaboration. Oh, so I do, and to go back to a previous question on where was what's your first instance of money I seriously remember sitting down well not sitting down but my mom sitting down at the table and writing out like all of the bills and deducting everything from the income in and just having like for all intents and purposes a ledger of okay this is how much the check is going to be this is how much we're taking out for groceries this is how much we're going to take out for utilities like this bill that bill everything else to this day I still do that like every time we get paid for our checks I literally have my accordion folder and I think I've talked about this on a previous episode and I have all of my little envelopes and I put all of the money into the envelopes and I pay them as it goes. So we have a grocery envelope. We have a wax envelope. We have a extras envelope. And I specifically put money in those envelopes. And in a perfect world, as we use those expenses, we'll take it out of the envelope. When it's over, that's all the money we have left. We are pretty much of means. So when it's gone, that ain't actually the end of our spending but it makes us more conscious and more aware of how much we are spending from then on out so i have never heard the dame Ra- the dave ramsey show on the radio but i know that he has a radio show and it actually used to come on tv i think it came on like mnbc or whichever the nbc network is that also does like investments money stuff like that i can't remember what it is don't ask me what time i have no idea but i know that it comes on and so occasionally i would watch you know people call in and they talk about their debt to income ratio and he gives advice on how to pay that off blah 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 one of the things that i have downloaded and have not really implemented but i have used is his every dollar app and that's been really cool to actually have similarly to what nay does in a physical sense this is the same in a digital sense so I can put down all of the expenses that we have the categories that they belong to have the income and what we've spent and it kind of does the math I will say though as I've gotten more information on money and and figured out what my relationship to money is and how I want to utilize it some of like Dave's principles don't really align and they don't make sense so much anymore so I've kind of you know, you take things with a grain of salt, apply what what makes sense and disregard what doesn't. Essentially, that's what you got to do with all of this kind of stuff. But I have done a physical envelope situation, but then I misplaced them and then it's not, it's, it, that wasn't helpful. So I got like a tiny envelope. This isn't the one that we actually use, but it's similar. This is the one we actually take on vacation, but it had, the one that we actually use for budgeting is downstairs, but we have different like, you know, envelopes. It's one of the A, I think it's A. 
A6 envelope. You can get these on Amazon and you can buy extra envelopes if you need to. But we'll have one that says groceries. We'll have one that says bills. There's one that says investments. There's one for money for me, money for him, money for the dogs. Like we have a physical situation that we set up, which has been helpful because now we can physically see what our money's looking like as opposed to just having everything in the bank account that's all in one account it's all kind of merged and you never know what's allocated to what so this has been very helpful in the breakdown of how we want to spend money on xyz like expenses so that's been very helpful i also want to circle back to that letter to money that nakaya mentioned a second ago i haven't read that particular book by that author but one of my absolute, not even one of my, my absolute favorite book on money is You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. It's one of her books in her You Are a Badass series. But in that particular book, there are money affirmations. And I think one of the things that she mentions is writing down like your relationship to money and actually analyzing what your relationship to money is. And that was really a great perspective because I don't think up until that point I had ever, number one, heard of that or even thought about doing that. And that was really eye-opening, I think, for me because it kind of allows you to at least acknowledge what your traumas are with money potentially and the reasons why you view money in a certain way because of what you've seen your parents do or what you've just been exposed to so I really love that exercise if you guys have that book you have the one that Nate had mentioned earlier or even you could just look online I'm sure what like kind of what the steps are to do that exercise I think that might be uh, pretty helpful for you in like your money understanding journey yeah I really like that book also but she also in that book you are a badass at making money she talks about, and I love this, about like just putting money throughout your house, like just randomly. You can put them in books. It doesn't have to be like a hundred dollars, it can be like a dollar, five dollar. And I know your look on your face, Nate. But the reason why, and this is because you're transitioning into ensuring that you are always mentally surrounded by money. So you basically like put money, like high money places or things like that. And I think this is interesting because I tried this. And so I put money in like different books and like put money in different places. And so I went to go pick up a book that I was like, okay, this is on my book list to read. And I opened, I was like, hey, I got $20, hey. But it gives you that like abundance mindset. Like I'm surrounded by money. Money is surrounding me and I'm never in lack. Because if we think about like just the, not just the psychology, but the subconscious of how your subconscious is playing over and over and over. If you've never been a millionaire, your subconscious is going to be like, you can say I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, which is an affirmation. But if your subconscious is like, bitch, you ain't never been a millionaire. Like, I'm going to need you to be in reality. But if you can start to program your subconscious of like, I'm in abundance. Money comes to me easily. Money comes to me fast. Money flows to me. I'm able to grab money and make money, invest money. It multiplies. Like those different terms or affirmation helps you really secure, okay, now I'm on the path to being a millionaire. I absolutely, that's one of my, one of my biggest takeaways from that book. And I started, 
I put money in like the little jar in the bathroom that has Q-tips and the cotton balls. I have money in the closet. I have money on like a, a vision board, like a cork board, just kind of stacked around. And yeah, it's it's for my subconscious to be used to seeing money and for it to just be used to having money around me. So when I get more money and when I, we have more money, it's nothing new because it's the norm at this point. I have access to all of it. I have access anywhere I go within my home, money is readily available. And that's really the psychology of that particular like exercise. And that was one of my favorite things that I've learned from that book. So we, I got dollar bills all over the place. I don't know how feasible this is for people with small children. Like I, if I just randomly put money everywhere, Alex is going to take it. And now I ain't got money everywhere no more. Like Alex for, since he was old enough to crawl, has been getting in pocketbooks and getting in wallets, taking out cash cards. I don't know who he was in a past life. Like his twin spirit must have been some old Creole man. But he is like, if I see money, it's mine. And I don't care if I have to physically go in somewhere to see it. Like I'm taking all the money because all the money belongs to me. You know, I have never... I hadn't thought about that aspect until we started having our niece and nephews come visit and like stay the weekend or something like that at our house. And I don't know if in the book it specifies from like a parental standpoint on how to do it. I think it was just a general exercise. I don't recall any specifics. If you have kids, this is what you should do type of thing. But I remember because I have money on this cork board that's hanging up in the hallway. What my youngest nephew, he's four. He would come over and he was like, oh, y'all are rich. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Because again, it's up there. I It's at I mean, it's not like it's out of sight, out of mind because it's visible, but I don't think about it as like having money on a board. Like that's just the thing that's up there. At this point, it's like artwork. Um, but he saw it. He was like, that's a dollar bill. And you got quite a few up there. So that equates to you being rich. And I'm like, where are you getting this from? He was like, you got all this money. It was like $8. It's like $8 in real life. But to him, it's like, like that was a lot of money in one place to visually see and I was like huh that's interesting for like from a child's perspective to see those things readily available and then if an ice cream man comes by and he hears an ice cream truck and now he wants ice cream and I'm like do you have ice cream money and he was like you do and pointed to the board and I said okay you know what we need to talk <laughs> we need to have a conversation about how this works and how this functions so I actually was talking to him about you know how you can get some money for some ice cream you want to do some chores you can help out help us out with the dogs if you want to you want to go feed them or take them outside to go potty you know what I'm saying like using that as an opportunity to to teach and to educate but yeah I didn't think about just having random money laying around and then having kids until that particular moment so we might have to rethink where the dollar bills will be going forward I think of um I want to loop back to something that they said earlier about how you treat others with money and how you treat others without money or will you perceive they don't have money, if that makes sense. And I say that because I literally just heard on a TikTok 
TikTok, y'all, I just love TikTok. But I just heard on the TikTok of like the guy was talking about like the people who you think have the most money are probably broke. And the ones who you think that have no money are probably the richest people that you will ever come in contact with or very, very smart with how they utilize their money as a tool, right? And so I think about that because when um, Nay said that, I don't know if y'all have ever watched the movie Baggage Claim. With That sounds that familiar. It does sound familiar. That's an older movie, right? It is. It was with Paula Patton, the one with, she was the one with the big neck. Paula Patton. What was the singer Robin Thicke's ex-wife? Isn't that Paula Patton? Yeah. Okay. Yes. The 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 neck comment. Oh, she knows how to big neck. She knows she had a big neck. That's why they always have her hair long and cover the neck part. Or because when she do this, it's just like, anywho. So audience, this is why it is it was not clicking. Nakai is about to pull and glean some obscure like notion from this movie that was a rom-com about a woman going and like picking people on well her ex-boyfriends as somebody who she's gonna spend the rest of her life with and like go to a wedding with. Nothing about this says money like if you let me finish, it does. That's, that's why I said you were gonna pick some obscure like like nugget to draw from the movie. No, anyway, let me finish. So, uh, y'all, Nay and Sunny D. So, one of her exes, well, Nay already told you the premise of the movie, so thank you. I didn't have to tell you that. So, one of her exes was like this king, like he was extremely wealthy. He like gave her a tennis bracelet, told her he'll take her around the world, like she can have anything she wants, the life she wants, but she turned him down to quote unquote be with the best friend, whatever. But so Jill Scott is in there and Jill Scott is like, well, why are you crazy? Why would you do that? This man is offering you everything. And she's like, yeah, but at what cost? The cost is I will never be loved. I will only be his quote unquote travel toy. And so that goes of like, she didn't know how much she knew he was rich, but didn't know how much like how he's well, right? But she treated him the same as every single person she came into contact with. And that's one thing he said he really liked about her is that she wasn't impressed by all the money, the diamonds, the lifestyle he can give her. And so I even think about that like on a quote unquote lower level of like it's not a movie. When we treat people with money, like have y'all ever, if y'all have ever been in a millionaire or whatever presence, did y'all treat them differently than a person that you know is probably in debt? Honestly, probably not because I don't be knowing how much money people have. And I say that like as genuine as possible, but I try to create relationships and um, interactions with people, not under the guise or premise of money. So I, I don't know how much is in their bank account and I just treat everybody how I treat them. So I've probably been in the presence of somebody with millions or billions and never even known it because it doesn't come up and I don't search for it. I don't know if I've consciously have treated people differently and I don't think that I do but I know for one thing when it comes to like from a occupational perspective with work you know when you have like big bosses come visit they're not quite the CEO but they're like regional VPs or something like that and they come to the office most employees most of my colleagues were like they're nervous they're scared they're very tense they have anxiety about it and like 
these people didn't phase me. Like I talked to them the way that I talked to my manager or the way that I talked to my coworker or the way that I talked to like our housekeeping staff. Like these are just people at this point. I, I know because of your position, you clearly make more money than I do, but that doesn't make a difference to me personally. So when it comes to that particular aspect, like I'm treating you the same. I'm a joke with you. I'm going to be sarcastic. You take it how you want to. I don't know what else to tell you. You just, you're a human being. I asked that question because I was at an event and at this event, again, I didn't know when you're not privy to previous information of who's in the room, then you really can't be yourself. Does that make sense? And so in this room, I'm myself like, hey, how you doing? Talking to you, blah, 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 blah. It wasn't until after event that someone informed me that every single person in this room was literally a millionaire. And if they were not a millionaire, they literally make minimum seven to $800,000 a year. And I'm like, wait, why didn't you tell me before? I would have been getting real, like, for real, for real. Can I get your contact number? Can I get your contact number? But all in all, like I was telling her, I was like, I'm glad you didn't tell me because, I mean, I probably, me, I'm still going to go in with my, I, th- I think I had on like the um, black girl earrings. My hair was off. My hair's going to stay wrapped. You know, like me, I'm going in as authentic Nakai. And so I just think that's so interesting because that made sense why she was acting different. And I could not put my finger on it. I was like, girl, what is wrong with you? You don't talk like this. You over, typically we be in the back dancing. What are you doing? But that made sense. And she told me afterwards, which that's a problem thinking about it. Why did you tell me after versus before? So, but anyway, I just thought that was like very interesting of like having, do people really act different in the sense or being in the room with money? I find that really interesting because when you talk to people with money who are not built and ran and function on their money, you'll hear them say that it's so refreshing to meet people who don't realize their net worth because at the end of the day, they're still just people. They might have made better financial decisions with their money, but at the end of the day, they're still just people. So when you treat them differently, it's almost like you see their money and not their humanity. So they probably thought you were refreshing it in a breath of fresh air because you actually treated them like the person and not like the dollars and cents and zeros on their bank account. Thank you. I hope they get that feeling from me too. Because I don't care if you're rich or if you're not. If you cool and your energy say you cool, we can kick it. But with that, ladies, <laughs> I do want to, for everyone listening, if y'all have littles, please involve your littles in your finances. Nay said it earlier, her mom involved her and she saw it. She saw it, but now she involves her little one to make sure her little one knows like, hey, this is what we got. Sunny D got an allowance from grandma that she missed and used the $20 to go to the candy house and buy her snacks so (laughs) but I do want to leave y'all with this piece of advice and ladies y'all can leave y'all advice too of like really involve your children if you have children because setting that foundation when you're young helps a hell of a lot when that kid gets older so that is my one piece of advice to you and if you don't have kids don't worry about the advice but if you don't have kids literally understand money and understand your relationship with money early so you're not in your 30s 40s 50s trying to figure out like damn I retire in 10 years and I'm trying to play catch up yeah and I'd like to add have realistic conversations about money with your kids because the fact that we aren't scrimping and saving and robbing Peter to pay Paul Alex thinks that anything he can dream or see he can have 
And he's always like, I want this. I want that. And so now we have to have the conversation of, do you have Lego money? Like mom and daddy have money. Like you are broke. Like let's, you know, try to be more fiscally responsible with our money because we're living on that opposite end of the spectrum where he thinks that anything is possible. And to some extent it is, but he also needs to know the responsibility that comes with money. Yeah, that's incredibly important. One of the things that I would do, like, and I find this interesting because I just did it just to get some ideas of what you could give to your kids. But giving them books on money when they're younger, I think is a great introduction. And if you just Google, I literally just Google books on money for kids. One, two, three, four, five. The first five or six books are all by Black authors, which I find to be like, and these are like easily accessible on Amazon. So like, Daddy, can you teach me about money? Money plan, make your own money. Max goes to the grocery store. They need to learn how to go to the grocery store. Like things like that. Like these are fun, simple, simple to understand, simple to process books on money for kids. I'm going to have to start me a little library for, you know, our niece and nephews so that they can have some early introduction into money instead of just asking for iPhones when they're three and a half. Do you know the cost of an iPhone, sir? No, we need to get you books. We need to show you how money actually works and how to use it as a tool. And this is a great time to do it because they're just big old sponges at this point. So teaching them now when they're younger is a way to go. Yes, I agree with that. And y'all, the responsibility of money, understanding what books you can utilize for money, not just for your kids, but for yourself too. And just be involved with your money. Know your money, have a relationship with your money. Your money should, you should know every single penny where it's going. And with, if you do all those three things, What's the beauty of that is you're going to have this beautiful relationship with money where now you are believing in yourself that you got this. You have this self-worth of like, I ain't worried about that because I got my money. Me and my money have a good relationship. Don't be coming in over here. You mind your own and stay in your own lane. And with that, a word from our sponsor. Hey, beautifuls. This message is brought to you by The Grass is Greener on the Other Side, where we help women who have anger, sadness, and shame from being cheated on learn how to heal and take their power back so they can regain confidence confidence, restore their peace, and attract the life of their dreams. We can be found on IG at Brianna underscore Latrice. That's spelled B-R-I-A-I-N-A underscore L-A-T-R-I-C-E. And for all of the Where's My Blueprint podcast listeners, we're offering free 15-minute discovery calls. So if you're ready to regain and restore that self-love, self-worth, and self-belief back in yourself, shoot me a DM for a free discovery call today. See you on the call. And so we are going to transition into our segment of Moments of Melanation. Moments of, Moments of Melanation is where we highlight a Black person doing their thing. Today for Moments of Melanation, we are highlighting. And y'all, today for Moments of Melanation, I love this because y'all know my favorite fries are Chick-fil-A fries. And to find out the youngest person in history to own a Chick-fil-A, y'all, is a Black woman who graduated from a HBCU. Y'all, she is 26. Ashley um, became one of the youngest franchise owners in Chick-fil-A history. But her Chick-fil-A story started many years before. Ashley began working at a Chick-fil-A restaurant outside of 
A-T-L-A-N-T-A when she was 15 years old as a way to earn enough money to buy her first car. Turned out she actually liked the job. And when it came to attend HBCU Spelman College, she began working at the Chick-fil-A restaurant near campus as a, not just a worker, but as a director of the leadership team. Yes. And she stated, at that time, I thought it was just a great job to have while pursuing my degree in theater, says uh, Ashley. That is until restaurant operator pulled her aside to ask about her long-term goals and recommended a career in leadership. She said she never considered it. Sometimes you just need someone to help you see the potential. Y'all, let me rephrase. Let me let me say that again for the people in the back. Sometimes you just need someone else to see your potential. So she changed her major to economics to pursue owning her own Chick-fil-A restaurant, a dream she achieved in 2011, only five years after graduating college. Y'all, for her to be the first Chick-fil-A restaurant across from the University of Southern California, she has opened the newest location. Her newest location is open in LA at 7th and 5th. Y'all, I just think this is amazing because like for her to be so young, to own Chick-fil-A franchise. And if y'all have not, I feel like we talked about this in a previous episode, but if y'all don't even understand the um, the um, the process to own a Chick-fil-A, it is no small feat. And she did it. And on top of that, you have to minimum, minimally have just in liquid cash, 10,000 to get on the list. And then you have to go through a, it's a process. And this is did it. And only that, kudos to that person who saw potential in her and was like, I know you trying to do theater, a theater. I'm going to need you to wrap this around and I'm not pressuring you, but I see potential in you of doing this and this and this. And she took that advice, switched it. And now you are the first black and not just the first, but you are the youngest. You are the youngest sis from an HBCU to own a Chick-fil-A. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. And y'all fries are the bomb. Not you ending with a McDonald's tagline. But um, <laughs> I absolutely love this. I remember seeing this story come across my timeline a while back. And like Nakai said, like owning a franchise, there's a lot of steps with a lot of capital that you have to have up front. And it's nothing new that Black people being able to get loans, being able to get funding for the things that they want to pursue is a struggle in and of itself. Okay. Uh, we know this, right? That's, that's not a secret. But the fact that she's able to overcome that aspect, have this capital to have this franchise and understand the importance of it is so incredible and the fact that the story is a known story is really great because now people that are younger than her even people that are older than her can see this and be like ah representation matters we know this right we understand how important that is and straight up like the management team or leadership team that pulled her aside and was like yo I don't believe that that came from that person. That was a message utilized through that person from our one and only creator, because that's how he uses people. He uses people to give you messages, to give you guidance, to give you instruction. It's not always going to be direct from him, 
he'll pull in someone to deliver said message. And props for that interaction to even happen because that planted a seed that has now grown into such an amazing opportunity for this young lady. And now, God willing, she's in the position where she could duplicate the process and give this information to others and be that person to someone else at some point if she hasn't done it already. So props to you, Miss Ma'am. Do your thing, boo. All the success, all the abundance, all the things. Yeah, kudos to her. And who's to say that now she can't do both? Like, she is big in the corporate world, she can still be a member of her local community theater and still fulfill that passion as well. It's just that this new switch has created a bigger space for her to hold more than one thing at one time. Because let's be honest, theater, unless you get that big break, you really ain't making that much. But now she has a thriving business. And if she still wants to pursue theater as a hobby, she can do it with more leeway, more fun, and everything else. Yeah, it's actually, it's not uncommon if we pay attention for people that are creative in that aspect, for people that are actors or performers or things like that, to do that as an occupation because that, you know, that soothes their soul, that that's part of who they are as a creative person. But once you're able to, you know, have that type of success with it, a lot of those actors and actresses, athletes, all those things, they've now invested in other businesses and now they can do both. So it's very similar. It just allows for a stepping stone to be able to do something else, something bigger, something different, where you can still make your living, make your income and do your thing and still pursue passions for your own self worth and sanity so yeah being able to do both big props yeah I am just I'm in awe of her but also I'm hoping that she does each one teach one and she's bringing someone else up to and if even if they don't want to own a Chick-fil-a like teaching them just economics and the business of owning a franchise so I'm hoping that's what she's doing and I just want to say thank you girl thank you girl thank you girl you are the bomb and you did that and so with that we will transition Oh my gosh, guys, we have an amazing addition to our podcast today. Mr. Alex, do you want to say hey? You want to say hi to the people on the podcast? Hi! Alex, I love you so much. Thank you, Nay. <laughs> so with that, we are going to end our episode with an affirmation. And our affirmation is, there is an overflowing release of money coming to me. I respect it. I manage it. It loves to multiply and we work together to keep it moving. Thank you, money. So guys, you know, we come up with all of the content, but this is y'all's podcast too. At to some extent. So please, if you have any other topics that you want us to delve more into, any topics you want to hear our takes on, because you know we keep it popping hot out for here, email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or hit up that little drop box on our website at whereismyblueprintpod.com. Once again, you can email us at wmbpod at protonmail.com or drop us a little comment, a little note, a little suggestion at where'smyblueprintpod.com. Thank you, Nay. And so as y'all know, y'all can listen to this episode every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and check out the blog to, for all of Nay says that drops every Friday at where'smyblueprintpod.com. Again, that's where'smyblueprintpod.com. And we over now. Bye. Peace out.